Do you sometimes feel trapped in your own head? And try as you might to think positively and practice gratitude, you just can't escape the intrusive thought patterns that relentlessly badger you about everything that's wrong. My guest today is Anne Hintz, who is a transformational coach specializing in tapping, which is also known as the emotional freedom technique. And Anne is going to share with us a twist on tapping, explaining why simply replacing negative thoughts with positive affirmations doesn't work. And the real reason that most of us hate to feel our feelings is because we're not actually feeling them. We're thinking about them. By the end of this two-part episode, you'll have a brand new strategy for releasing tension and creating a profound sense of peace in your body, no matter what's going on in your life. My name is Colleen Cashman. I'm a sober-ish recovery coach, helping high-achieving women get emotionally sober so that drinking less or not at all feels like a superpower. Join me each week for evidence-based holistic strategies to regulate your brain chemistry and nervous system and also develop a growth mindset so you can feel proud, confident, and resilient with or without a drink in your hand because it's not about the alcohol. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to release today's two-part episode on how to tap into emotional release from tension and intrusive thoughts. And don't worry, if you've never heard of tapping, my guest Anne does explain the technique and it's really simple. My conversation with Anne was so in-depth that I decided to break the episode into two parts so that it would be easier for you to digest. I encourage you to take your time with these two episodes. I'm not one to listen to podcasts more than once, but I got to tell you, I've listened to this one three times and I keep getting new insights. So in part one, our conversation opens with a discussion about emotional dysregulation. You know, that moment you realize you might just be crazy because you're constantly stifling the urge to cry or scream or totally overthinking something that you know doesn't warrant that much attention. And your emotions are all over the place and confusing and they don't make any sense. And while your spouse or your doctor may want to blame your hormones or your brain chemistry or all of the stress that you're dealing with in your life, another part of you knows that your emotions are much deeper and bigger than your current situation. And that then reinforces a deep-seated fear that something is really wrong with you. And that keeps you stuck in your head trying to solve problems that aren't logical. So you'll want to listen as Anne explains exactly how unhealed trauma is the root cause of emotional dysregulation that is creating all the head trash swirling in your brain. And then we discuss how two crazy stressed out women went to the doctors in their mid-30s looking for relief 
from emotional dysregulation, something many of us do these days in the era where it's okay to talk about mental health. One of those gals, which would be me, was basically written a pharmaceutical hall pass, and then I spent the next 10 years carrying around a pill bag that was bigger than my grandma's. And of course, I had a flask to wash it all down, but Anne's doctor introduced her to the emotional freedom technique, which is also known as tapping. And so where I was still running in circles around the top deck of the booze cruise, she actually began her journey into healing. And my biggest takeaway from this episode is that Anne puts a twist on tapping and explains why the positive affirmations we've been taught to use with the tapping technique don't actually work, which is exactly why most of us give up. But since Anne and I recorded this episode, I have been tapping on my truths, the real ones, which are not the positive kind that you write on your vision board and brag about at parties. And I am blown away at how I have been able to discharge a lot of energy and neutralize a lot of negative emotion quickly and in real time, which is why I'm so excited to share this information in this episode with you, because you're going to be able to start using it immediately. But before we begin, I want to invite you to my free live training this week, Thursday, November 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern. If you are drinking 10 or more drinks per week and you've already tried at least once to reset your tolerance by taking a break, and now you are secretly assuming that you're going to have to quit drinking completely because evidently you can't seem to stop once you start, then maybe the problem isn't that you really love to drink. In reality, alcohol stopped being a problem the moment you realized it was and didn't do anything about it. And the mistake you're making is to accept a forced dichotomy that you either have to struggle to control your drinking or that you can never drink again. This training is unlike any I've ever done before. I literally just finished writing it. It's an interactive workshop where you will walk away with a crystal clear understanding of why you are suffering from alcohol use disorder and the exact steps you need to take to restore your sanity. I will lay out the specific ingredients to my evidence-based accelerated recovery process that I use to help women free themselves from alcohol use disorder as in they are able to drink normally and move on with their lives because what? It's not about the alcohol. By the end of the training, you will have a big picture perspective on point A, alcohol use disorder, and point B, no alcohol use disorder, as well as a list of the tools that you will need to make that happen. I promise you that you have never heard an explanation like the one that I will lay out in an hour. So if you are struggling with overdrinking, clear your calendar. I promise you, I'm not going to waste your time. So pause this episode, get in the show notes and register. I will stay as long as it takes to answer all of your questions. And I look forward to meeting you. And now enjoy the episode. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Colleen. It's great to be here. I'm excited for this conversation. My name is Anne Hintz, and I am really just someone who has done a lot of inner work 
and developed abilities that I never knew were possible before. So I'm sharing my story because I want people to know that this is possible, that we can heal at a really deep level. So that's what I'm about. That's what attracted me to your story is that it's a holistic, natural, you take responsibility for yourself, you know, that I think we have to have doctors and we have to have Western medicine available to us, but ultimately our healing is a mind and body thing that as that we align our bodies with our minds, that's when true healing happens. So you want to just go ahead and share what you've gone through? <laughs> okay. I'll start at the beginning. So I had a lot of trauma in childhood. Alcohol comes into it, but I also had a lot of things to begin with and you know, started actually right at birth where I was born with my right foot up against my right shin. So my whole body was kind of talked and had scoliosis and, and that kind of thing. And the first six weeks of my life was spent releasing that foot. And then I was adopted. I was handed over for adoptions. You know, that's a whole trauma unto itself. And as the years went by, we had different things happen. We had a house fire when I was around three or four, and we lived in Sierra Leone in West Africa. And I was the one who woke up and saw the flames coming in through my bedroom wall. And I went to the top of the stairs because it was early morning. My dad was already downstairs drinking his coffee, listening to his radio. And I shouted down to him, there's a fire in my bedroom. And his first response was to question that really? Surely there couldn't be type thing. And, you know, that sinks into the subconscious. It's, oh, maybe what I say isn't believable. You know, that was part of my programming in childhood. And then as time went on, I went to a boys boarding school when I was about nine. I was sent to my brother's boarding school. So I was the only girl boarder at this boys boarding school for the first year. And I was teased mercilessly. So all that lived inside of me too, all those fears of boys that age. And then in my teenage years, both my parents became alcoholics. So my mother, actually my father would drink at lunchtime, like he'd go to the pub and he would stay, drink the whole time and come back, hardly able to stand up. And my mother would start drinking while he was at the pub and she would drink for the rest of the day. You know, that said in stage a lot of things inside of me like unable to trust what people said because they'd say something in the morning and it would be totally different in the evening so that happened and then when I was 19 I woke up one morning and found my mother dead on the bathroom floor so that was kind of the big trauma on top of all the other small ones and as a family we never discussed anything we never discussed you know emotions for sure (laughs) but we didn't really even discuss what had happened So I kept everything stored inside, which I think a lot of us do. And we don't realize how over the time, over the years, it's still living inside of us. I know you talk about that and it's absolutely the case. And then, you know, later on in life, something will often happen to make us realize or understand that's what's going on. Yeah, we are taught how to manage our behavior not our emotions. We're taught to suppress the emotions that are not acceptable. And we're not taught, I mean, I feel like it should be taught in kindergarten. It's how to process your feelings, but instead it's really just manage your behavior. And for those of us that carry a lot of shame and frustration and powerlessness, we are not taught that those things are feelings 
not facts. We love to say feelings aren't facts, but we aren't taught that they are actually our facts in terms of what we actually think. And then those feelings just build over time and our sub, our consciousness splinters to protect us from that pain. And then that pain is driving us in ways that we don't understand and robbing us of the opportunity to heal. Yeah. So managing, talk- sorry, yeah, managing yeah. the behavior is actually suppressing those emotions. So it's totally right. opposite to what it's we totally should be opposite. Yeah. That's the biggest light bulb moment. And I feel like I have to, I forget and learn that every single day. Oh yeah. You know, the more you're trying to control your behavior, the more that's a stop sign to go into your feelings. But the first thing you have to realize is your feelings aren't telling you the truth about the outside world. And that's, that's where it takes a lot of courage to admit that you feel or think the way you do. Yeah, we try and suppress it or avoid it at all costs. And we're so programmed to do that. But to actually find our truth, to actually notice how we're feeling and acknowledge and accept it, it takes a lot of practice because we're so good at avoiding it. Yeah, I love the idea of shadow work. What you're really afraid of is your shadow. You're literally running from your own shadow, your shadow being the parts of yourself that feel painful to acknowledge because you think there's a right way to be. And nobody told you that being human means you are all the ways. You get to pick and lean into and develop the parts of yourself that you want, but there's no way that you are. There's just thoughts that you have come to believe and learn over time in these traumatic experiences. So tell me a little bit about how your trauma created dysfunction in your life. What were you dealing with? Just before I go there, I just want to respond to what you said about shadow work. Perfect. Because I've developed the ability to sense inside my body what literally is in there. It is literally darkness. It's tension that is stored in the connective tissue. It is dark. And as we release that tension, which is the looking at the past, looking at those stored emotions and releasing it, underneath is light. So it's already there. So all we need to do is look at our shadow, look at the darkness and acknowledge and release it. And then we're already perfect underneath all of that. We're already light. To me, one of my favorite things to say is the version of you want to be already exists. That's how you know you want to be it. She's in there. You just have to be willing to go through the darkness and pull all of that into the light. Absolutely. Yeah. Or just release the darkness is the way I look at it because the light's there. (laughs) We've just got to release the darkness and then the light that was there shines forth. So in terms of how it was affecting me, I had a lot of digestive issues happen over the years. Like you, I was a vegan for many years. I tried all sorts of diets to see if something would help, which is kind of a little bit looking inside, but not really, right? It's really trying to have something outside of us change us. And it didn't work for me. (laughs) But I was also really scared. I was always fearful on the inside. I was always looking out to try and stay safe. And I think it was complex PTSD, mostly from my dad and his anger issues, along with the alcohol. So that was affecting me all the time. And I had young children at the time, and I I did not want to be this scared mother. I wanted to be like some of the other mothers I would see at my boys' school who just seemed calm and peaceful and were able to handle stress. That's what I wanted to be, but I was not there for sure. 
So you had a, a sense that you were different, damaged, and ultimately othered. Like other people are something, they understand something, and you were not that. So you saw yourself as separate. Yes, I definitely felt different. And it actually wasn't until I had this thing happen, like what I call this business altercation with two other mothers at school. And these mothers were, in my mind, they were self-confident, self-assured, authority-type women. And I felt so different from them because I was a scared mother on the inside. And they told me I had done something wrong. And that is when my mind just spun out of control. I just could not stop it going over all the different permutations of what I said, what they said, what I did, what I could have done differently. I just could not stop my mind for three days. And that's when I realized, okay, this is not normal. Most people do not react this intensely to something that really wasn't a big deal. But that's when I realized, yeah, I'm different. Something's going on. I need to look at it. But I also realized in that moment that it felt a little bit like how I would react when my dad would tell me I'd done something wrong. So for me, that was the first inkling that maybe my childhood was still affecting me to this day. Yeah. What I want to pull out there is for anybody that's listening, when you intuitively know that your emotional reaction is either over or under what the circumstances would call for, that's your invitation to go deeper. And when you are emotionally dysregulated, by definition, you're living based on the rules or the lessons you've learned in the past. That is what trauma is. The lesson that you think something is true, in this case, you're not worthy, your opinion doesn't count, they know more, and you need to become, you know, either subservient to their opinions or internalize all of this shame. And that lesson was, so you made the connection that you had learned that in childhood and you were now projecting it on to this, what other people might see just a normal conflict. Yes. Yes. It definitely did not feel like a normal conflict, but yes, if for someone who was not that dysregulated, it would have probably felt like normal conflict. Yeah, I can remember getting into a fight with a girlfriend in my early 30s. We had kids. We all lived on the same neighborhood. And I found myself, I thought she was having a party and I wasn't invited. And I had created this whole story and how dare she leave me out and what the hell is wrong with her and what is wrong with me. And this is where you know you're crazy it was dark. It was probably eight or nine o'clock. And I was down there trying to see if I could see into her house to confirm my suspicion. And that was when I thought, huh, might be a little crazy here. What is this about? But I did not have the idea that I, I knew I wouldn't be telling people I had done that. I knew to be ashamed of that, but I had no idea that was something that I could address or change. I didn't realize that all the thoughts that came into my head at any given time were not me. I didn't know I was the thinker of my thoughts. I thought I was my thoughts. Yes. It's interesting how that changed, that understanding changes as we do this work. Yeah. 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 So tell me more, you know, what, was this the moment where, you know, in the hero's journey where you were invited to, to change or, and then if so, what happened next? 
yeah, this was the moment I absolutely knew I had to do something different. I had to change myself, but I didn't know what to do at the time. But it was in that time frame that I went to a doctor's appointment and he was a holistic physician. He was also a parent at my boy's school. So he knew my situation. He knew I was a stay-at-home mother with two young boys, healthy young boys. So everything should have been good. And I, I can't remember why I went to see him, but it was nothing to do with my history or my emotions or anything. But he recognized I was more stressed than I should be, given my situation. And he asked me on a scale of zero through 10 what my stress level was. And I said eight. And then he asked me why. And it was that moment then that I realized, okay, it was finding my mother dead on the bathroom floor when I was 19, because the tears from that event were still just under the surface. And this is now two decades after the event itself. So I'd been using my energy to hold those tears down for all those years because I had not looked at it. And he happened to know the technique that's called EFT, which is short for emotional freedom technique or tapping. And he tapped with me for about 15 minutes about my mother's death. And I walked away from that appointment being able to tell the story of her death in my mind for the first time ever without the tears there. And that's when I realized that we hold those emotions and those memories physically in our body. I mean, energetically, but physically, and that we can let them go. You are so fortunate because so many times I sought mental health support from, in the U.S., a family physician who had approximately four minutes and 12 seconds to spend with me. And every single time I would walk out with antidepressants or anti-anxiety or both. I can remember leaving a doctor's appointment and I had a prescription for Ambien, Ativan, which is an anti-anxiety, as well as some, you know, Paxil or Wellbutrin, like highly medicated. And so that led me on a journey where I spent then 10 years on psych, psych meds. And because nobody ever said the reason you're feeling tired and overwhelmed is because you need a nap and maybe a babysitter. I had four little kids. So how did you find a doctor who was able to properly diagnose the problem for you as not just something is wrong with your brain, but something that you're capable of changing? <laughs> I think it was luck. You know, I, I went, I knew him, so I went to him and he had these tools in his toolbox that a lot of other physicians don't have. And he was willing to spend that 15 minutes with me doing the tapping and, you know, sitting with me as I cried and told him about what happened that morning, which I had never done before. So it, it, it was luck. It was part of my journey, you know, to access that at that time. And that was the beginning of my journey. I think just as an aside, because I want to, I want you to go into your journey, but I think many of us who have gotten caught up in the Western medicine, we have trauma from the experiences we have with doctors that we have handed their power. We have handed our own power to them by going in and saying, okay, what's wrong with me? And then they hand us a prescription, never mentioning that this is that mental health is something that you create, not something that you're born with. And, you know, I, I just, I'm in awe now of how much, how difficult it is for us to take full responsibility. And part of the reason is we are never told that we have power, 
over our own minds. We think the way we feel is genetic or possibly life circumstances, but certainly not something that you can do EFT or, you know, emotional integration or all of the things that we, that are just part of being human. You know, we're just pushed further away from the very solutions that would allow us to heal. And I think there's a lot of trauma with that. It's very hard to believe that something like EFT works when in the United States, at least, we are told that, no, you're going to need strong medications for that. That is a deep-seated belief that prevents us from trying EFT. <laughs> and those medications are just another way of suppressing it for longer. Yeah. I used to have a joke that said, yeah, I meditate every single day. That and three glasses of wine is really great, you know, plus all the meds that I'm on, you know, sure, I'll meditate, but please give me drugs. And then I'll top it off, swallow it all with alcohol and had no idea that, the, you know, that meditation itself was the answer. I thought it was some, you know, I would roll my eyes at all natural, you know, I'd be like, okay, I want the chemicals, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually never wanted to meditate. I don't meditate, although some people say what I do now is a form of meditation. Yeah. But to me, EFT was so much faster and was actually affecting the body itself because we're tapping and we're tapping on the body. So we're releasing the energy stored in the nervous system, whereas meditation doesn't really do that. And until you can access deep inside the body, then it does something similar. So yeah. Can you talk about the, as a tool, EFT particular, which if you're listening, it's the emotional freedom technique. It's called the tapping solution. There are books, there's an app for that. It is very easy to access. You don't have to spend a lot of money. It's available to everybody and it's pretty easy to use. My question for you is, in that experience with your doctor, where he tapped with you for 15 minutes, I'm assuming that didn't heal everything that needed to be healed because in order to heal, you have to articulate, you know, language is the operating system of our nervous system. So while you can and should approach it energetically, there's also storytelling and things that, that go along with that. So what did it look like to leave your doctor's office and feel like you had made progress, but at some point you had to realize you weren't done. And what kept you going versus that didn't work? <laughs> right. Yeah. I was so not done. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. before I go to that, I just want to, to say what you said. The tapping solution is actually owned by people. That is a, a corporation. A brand. Um, the app is as well. I, I do... I mean, that's good for some people. That is yeah. using scripts that other people have written. That is not how I did EFT. It's not how I suggest people do EFT, EFT because we have to use our own words because it's our own words, our own stories that are stored inside of us. So you're not really going to get that deep healing if you use someone else's words. So I recommend the videos on YouTube by Gary Craig, who developed them, who mm. developed the technique himself. Yes. And I have some videos on my YouTube channel that talks about the words to use so you can find your own words. I just wanted to pop that in there. I appreciate you bringing that up because I'm a person that doesn't really follow the rules all that much. So I naturally read the script and was like, oh, I'm just going to change that. But I think some people, if they see it as a technical and they want to do it right, then giving them permission just right off the bat to 
understand that your script has to be self-generated. And the more you're using somebody else's words, actually the less effective it is. And having looked into and bought the book at some point, they never tell you that. So I really appreciate you saying that. The other thing is that they also tend to go more to the positive. And because I have this ability to sense inside now, right, and we talked about the light and the darkness, all we need to do is find the darkness. Now, again, we're programmed to think positively, but in, from my experience, that comes naturally as we release the tension from the past. So as we release our past beliefs and experiences, we naturally think more positively. So all we have to do is tap on the negative, and that's the power of EFT is you're finding your truth, whatever it is. And over a period of time, you're going deeper and deeper. So with my mother's death, yes, that first 15 minutes did not do the full healing. It released the first layer. And then, you know, the next day, I don't remember exactly, but the next day, probably I tapped on it again. And then the next layer. So what EFT is doing is opening up the subconscious mind. And as that happens, emotions and things, memories, specifics from memories start to pop up. Things that you had forgotten about because they weren't that important at the time and those big emotions cover them up. As you release those big emotions, the details of the story start to come back to life, come back to consciousness. And then you can tap through those and you get to the place where the whole thing was just a story, right? You can tell the story to someone else and there's no emotion, no energy left inside you with regards to that story. And that's when you know that you've really let it go. So if I could reflect what I heard, because I really liked it, one of the things that that I don't know that I've ever gotten deep enough into tapping to follow Gary's instructions, I think I've seen him. I don't, I, I, I had not previously known about your YouTube channel, but you kind of start, or at least the tapping solution brand instructions, they say, you know, I love myself and I am worthy. What I'm hearing you say is that you actually, and this is where I want you to correct my thinking if I've heard you wrong, but you actually start to say, I'm never going to get this right. I am shameful. I'm a disappointment. Is that what you mean when you say tapping on the darkness is to actually bring up the belief that is causing you the pain and just say it as it is and not try to change it? <laughs> right. So there's an opening statement in EFT, which I think what you're referring to is like a deeply and truly love and accept myself, something like that. I've changed that to that's my truth in this moment and it's okay that I feel this way. So whatever it is, maybe I'm feeling frustrated right now. That's my truth in this moment. It's okay that I feel that way. That's just the opening statement for EFT. Then we start tapping on the points itself. And then, yes, exactly. We say whatever our truth is. So I got to the place, and this didn't happen early on. It took a while to get here where I realized that I really did hate myself. So I tapped on, I hate myself. I hate myself. Now, a lot of people will say, you shouldn't say that, right? <laughs> they don't want us to feel that truth in ourselves. But if that's what we're actually feeling and thinking, if we tap on it, we release the emotions stored around those words. And if they stop to me, they stop meaning anything, right? They're just they just words. become words. Yes. yes. <laughs> I just fell in love with this. This takes it to a whole different level. And I think that might be why I've never gotten a lot out of tapping and now having this concept that you actually want to tap on the negative belief 
A, so you can look at it. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Like you want to know exactly what it is that you think so that, again, you can become the thinker of the thought and not the thought itself. And that thought just becomes one of many things that you think. And, oh, yeah, we're human and all of it goes through our mind. Anything we've ever heard is one of the options that can pop into our mind. So how did you come into that? One thing I wanted to say about that. So, yes. you know, this is a little further down my path, like after tapping for quite a long time, my mind became quiet. Now, I had never experienced that in my life before. I didn't know that existed. But it was at that point that I could look back and say, oh, those thoughts that I used to have that are no longer in my mind were the thoughts that I had been programmed with in childhood. So often my dad's thoughts, I was very self-critical, self you know, I would judge other people. I hated the fact that I would judge other people. And I didn't know that was the programming until those thoughts have gone. So those thoughts really do go. So I never think I hate myself anymore. Right. Right? It's gone because the energy inside of that thought is no longer stuck inside because I've released it. So it's really hard to believe when you start this path that can really happen, but it really can happen. Yeah, people really think they do hate themselves. And that is the source of all the problems, not the story in your head about why you hate yourself. It is those three words, I hate myself. But that there's other thoughts uh, there. They're the layers above it, right? right? So I had to release all those other beliefs before I could really get to the I hate myself. So we can't dismiss any of the thoughts we have as to why we hate ourselves. We still need to look at those and release those. And then eventually we can also release the I hate myself. Okay. I know I've interrupted you a couple times. Do you want to, is there still a story progression here of your journey? Yes. I wanted to check out that EFT worked because I have an engineering background. I was a software engineer. I didn't believe after that first 15 minutes with this doctor that it was really going to work. It seemed too good to be true. So I wanted to try it out. And I recommend people do this with something that's simple. So I had a 17-year-old cat at home at the time, and his kidneys were starting to fail. And I was told I had to give him a daily saline shot, like an injection of saline. The first time I gave him that shot, my hand was shaking so badly I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it every day. It was just too stressful. So I thought, okay, let me try out this technique. So I tapped about every aspect of it, which is something that we want to do with EFT. So I tapped about my handshaking. I tapped about my fear of hurting him. And I tapped about all the memories from all the injections I had in childhood. And the next day, the needle just slid right in. My hand didn't shake at all. All that fear that had been living inside of me the day before had totally disappeared. So that's when I realized how powerful it is. So if someone wants to try it out with something as simple as that and just realize and notice that those emotions, that fear, it's just energy that is stuck inside the body. And if we look at it, if we feel it, if we allow it to be released, then it's gone. It, It doesn't it's just gone and it's gone from the body and it doesn't come back for the same experience again. So another idea for listeners who may be wondering, like I'm, you know what I'm going to try this on is I actually 
do not like the color of my car. Like every time I see it, it's, I bought it because that color was cheaper than the other color. And I was like, I don't care about the color. And it turns out Colleen does care about the color. And every time I get in the car, the thought process goes through my head, you know, oh, I wish this was a different color. So that would be a very simple, for whatever reason, there's an emotion there. And I could start on that layer with the color of my car and just acknowledge that I don't like the color of my car and tap through it. Would that be a good example? It would. Yes. Uh, yeah. And find your truth there. Do you hate the color of the car? Do you just yeah. not like it? Do you, and, and what memories of that color come to mind yeah. of not liking that color from the past? It's a grandma car. <laughs> there we go. You'd also tap on that. It's a grandma car, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be an emotion there. Right? It can just be that phrase. It's a grandma car yeah. and tap on that and then see what else comes up. Because often another thought or memory will pop in your mind as you're tapping something through. And then you work with that. And that's how you go back into your life, into the past experiences and release those different layers. So you just allow whatever your subconscious presents to you. So I might start with the color of my car. Or another one for me is I made a commitment for my 50th birthday to stop bothering myself about my hair. Like it's not, you know, full and thick and awesome. And I decided that my gift to myself is I would stop hating my hair. And I've made a lot of progress with that. But I would, I could see doing some tapping work on that if and when it comes up, because it still does. I just decide not to, but go ahead and bring it up and then allow whatever else comes up. Maybe there's a memory where I felt insecure because, you know, my girlfriends in seventh grade all had thick hair. And then that is an invitation to heal that memory. Is that what you mean? Absolutely. Yes. And maybe there's a relative in your past who also had thin hair and you criticized it or judged it or did something with it at the the time. And maybe she judged her hair and you heard her judging her hair. Yes. All of those thoughts. And even with the car, you know, if it's a grandma car, maybe you didn't like one of your grandmas or maybe she said something to you that hurt you. Those thoughts, it's that unraveling of the subconscious mind. Where did all that come from? Oh, it's so fascinating, isn't it? (laughs) It is. Yeah. But to feel empowered and to understand that the path forward is the images and thoughts that pop into your mind. That is what your subconscious is presenting you. It's an invitation to heal. Yeah. Okay, so that's where I'm going to cut part one. Take some time to digest that and allow it to integrate into your subconscious. Move it around, try some things. And then I'll see you back here for the next episode. And in part two, Anne is going to dive into how your thinking mind traps your emotions inside your body when you think about them and how to get into your feeling mind out of your thinking mind and into your feeling mind. And then we move into how the key to healing and doing this work really requires focus, which is why distraction is actually one of your biggest blocks to emotional wellness. She's also going to talk about how you can literally train your brain to enjoy spending time doing this deep work, kind of trauma hunting if you want. And then finally, we do get into specifically healing for alcohol use disorder and how tapping can support your recovery. So thank you for listening. 
Anne's information is in the show notes, all of her social media channels and her website, so you can find her there. So take your time and poke around, and I will see you in part two of how to use tapping to heal trauma with Anne Hintz.